the whiz is in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Find out why that reference will make sense today on the, the Twins, Twins on Tour, Tour podcast. podcast. Hi, I'm Julie Book. I'm Jenny Bradley. And this is the, the Twins, Twins on Tour, Tour podcast. podcast. Did you just wave at an imaginary I was, I was, doing, a sh- I was doing a shimmy. Again, don't they judge can't me. see. I don't care. You can tell I'm delivering great, great lines and dialogue by the way that I present myself in movement, Julie Theater 101. Welcome to season three of the Twins on Tour podcast. We're Jenny lost un- zero chill since we're, season we're two. We're as unhinged as ever. Yeah, season three, unhinged. <laughs> and today we are kicking off our season three of the Twins on Tour podcast with our review of the pre-Broadway tour of The Wiz. Yes, guys, we've really moved on up in Cleveland. Yes. Yeah. It opened in Baltimore last month and then it came to Cleveland and then it's going direct to Broadway after this or is no, it going to Chicago? It's on like a 12 city tour before okay. this. Yeah. Okay. But Cleveland's the first like big stop because it's only in Baltimore for about a week. Nice. The Wiz is based off of the L. Frank Baum hit book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And it is a musical with music and lyrics by Charlie Smalls and William F. Brown. It is one of the first mainstream examples of contemporary African-American culture in theater. It broke barriers for African-American artists on Broadway. So this was a huge musical for the black theater movement in Mm -hmm. New York, especially. The idea for the musical originated with producer Ken Harper. He actually replaced the original director, him and another man, Jeffrey Holder, who also did the costume design for the musical, in the Detroit out-of-town tryouts after they went to Baltimore, they kind of just decided that the director they had wasn't working, and Harper and Holder ended up taking over. The production was choreographed by George Faison, with scenic design by Tom H. John, lighting by Theron Muser, who did 42nd Street on Broadway, and orchestrations by Harold Wheeler, and anyone who went oh. through a Dancing with the Stars phase and they Harold were growing Wheeler. up. Harold Wheeler was the guy who did the band. Who, that dun, the, dun, 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 dun. the big band, yeah, when it was yeah. live, it was, it was in the band with Harold Wheeler. Wheeler. Yeah. yeah, he did oh, the orchestrations awesome. for the original production of The Wiz, which That's is really exciting. cool. Yeah. I, I also had my geek out moment when I was doing research. I'm like, Harold Wheeler? And I was like, Mom! Because we watched Dancing with the Stars with our mom. The Wiz had its world premiere at Baltimore's Morris A. Mechanic Theater on October 21st, 1974. The original Baltimore cast included Stephanie Mills as Dorothy, Stu Gillum as the Scarecrow, Tiger Haynes as the Tin Man, Ted Ross as the Cowardly Lion, and Clarice Taylor as Atta Pearl, and also had the one and only Andre DeShields of Town fame as the original Wiz, which is a huge thing. A.K.A. one of the coolest people on Broadway. He really is. Do you want to tell the story about the Wiz being in the kitchen? Yes. So while we were at Broadway Buzz with Joe Gary pre-show, again, if you are coming to see a show in Cleveland, I cannot recommend enough that you take some time, get into the city early, go get your dinner. At 6.30 before every show, Broadway Buzz happens from 6.30 to 7 where Joe Gary, who is nicknamed Playhouse Square's theater professor because Mm -hmm. he has been around the block, he's produced on Broadway, everything like that. Mm-hmm. So he is a encyclopedia of Broadway knowledge. Basically takes you through the history of this show that you're about to see in the Key Bank lineup. Takes you through all of that. So Joe Gary was in an off-Broadway show at the time when The Wiz first opened on Broadway. He was staying with friends right near Central Park. He was sleeping under their dining room table. Yes, that's very New York, very Broadway, if you will. Very, very <laughs> starving artist, you know, it's a vibe. So there was a little girl who lived in the apartment with the people that Joe Gary was staying with, and she would come in occasionally very early in the morning to tap dance on top of the table that Joe Gary was sleeping under. One morning, about four in the morning, on cue, she comes in, 
Jill, watch me dance. And she's watching her dance. And then she just stops and goes, the whiz is in the kitchen. And he's like, okay. He's like, this is a six-year-old child. She made up stuff all the time. So he went, sure, the whiz is in the kitchen. Like some magical wizard or fairy is in the kitchen. And then she got very adamant. No, Joey, the whiz is in the kitchen. So she led him to the kitchen where, yes, Andre de Shields in what he said was gold platform shoes, mm-hmm. sitting in the kitchen, doing his laundry at this at his apartment at four, four in, the in the morning. morning. Which so that, that just counts. seems so cool. It really is. Like, just randomly just there in gold platforms, just doing laundry. And so that is how Joe Gary met Andre de Shields while Andre de Shields was the Wiz on Broadway. Yeah, and that's how he ended his Broadway buzz lecture. And he said, and just remember, the Wiz is in the kitchen. <laughs> which was a cool shout out because... Andre DeShields really did have a resurgence in the past few years playing the original Hermes in Hadestown and winning a Tony mm-hmm. for his performance. And I will say, 10 out of 10 for this Broadway buzz, there were several fun stories told about like the Broadway community at that time. Mm-hmm. I, it was delightful. Again, cannot recommend enough that you come early and go to Broadway buzz before your show. Back to the background and history of The Wiz. The show had its pre-Broadway tryout after it closed after doing some performances in Baltimore. It had its official pre-Broadway tryout at the Fisher Theater in Detroit in November 1974 and at the Forest Theater in Philadelphia from December 11th through December 21st of 1974. It then made its move to Broadway at the Majestic Theater, opening on January 5th, 1975. To interject, the Majestic is where Phantom of the Opera played until it closed this year. Oh, man. R.I.P. Phantom. Mm -hmm. Gone too soon. So a very storied history at the Majestic Theater. Absolutely. When it opened, it drew very mixed to critical reviews. It was not a smash hit right off the bat. When you think about it, The Wizard of Oz by this time, because the original movie of The Wizard of Oz was a complete flop. It got up for Oscars and stuff because visually it was so ahead of its time, the going from sepia to color, stuff like that wasn't done at that time. There's that weird artsy movie that no one sees that people are like, oh, it's going to get up for an Oscar. But everyone's like, that movie's weird. Why would it do that? That was The Wizard of Oz when The Wizard of Oz came out. By the 70s, The Wizard of Oz was like a family staple movie because they showed it at holidays. They showed it in the evenings for family to watch on TV together. So The Wizard of Oz was at about the height of its popularity at this point because it became like a cult classic. So opening this on Broadway, most people assumed, okay, this is going to be a smash hit right off the bat, which was not the case. Ken Harper actually considered closing the musical after its Broadway opening night when the review started rolling in. One source says the turnaround of its success led to a commercial campaign that they showed in the New York area where they showed clips from the show and they used a song from this musical called Ease On Down the Road. I think everyone's heard that. Ease on down, ease on down the road. They did that. It was one of the first big examples of them using the music and clips from the show to try to bring an audience in. And it really worked. The song became so popular from those ads that it actually was released as a single and made the billboard charts in different places. The Broadway production moved to the Broadway Theater on May 25th, 1977 and closed on January 28th, 1979 after four years and 1,672 performances. And keep in mind, too, in the 70s still even, musicals didn't run for years and years. Mm-hmm. It was it would run for six months, go on tour, maybe come back around the holidays and open back up, which is something that Joe Gary also pointed out during mm-hmm. Broadway buzz. So for it to run four years consecutively was actually a really big feat at that time as well. Yeah. The production did win seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Direction, and Costumes. It was an early example of Broadway's mainstream acceptance of the works of an all-black cast, and it has had revivals in New York, London, San Diego. It's had productions in the Netherlands and Australia. It's been all over the world, basically. It also was one of the NBC Live productions. The Wiz Live was broadcast on December 3rd, 2015. 
which was a really big I think that was like the second most popular of those yeah, NBC it's broadcasts. The sound of music and then the whiz yeah. if you look at viewership. Which is really cool. It is. The new production that we saw began its pre-Broadway tour again in Baltimore in September 2023 and it's visiting 12 cities including Cleveland before beginning its Broadway previews in March 2024 at the Marquee Theater in New York. So it's a little different than most Broadway shows that we see now. I think Six is the only one that I remember in recent history doing a full mini tour before yeah. going on to Broadway. Usually they'll do their pre-Broadway run at one city, maybe two. Usually in California or Denver is a very popular mm-hmm. one. It, it's especially for D- Disney always does their out-of-town trial in Denver. in Denver. But a lot of them usually do it in Los Angeles or San Diego. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're going to a bunch of different cities, including Cleveland, is really cool. I don't Cleveland doesn't get an opportunity like this very often. And now we get to do like a little hair from like, we've seen it before the New York Times. Hmm. The cast for the new Broadway revival of The Wiz includes Nichelle Lewis as Dorothy, Alan Mingo Jr. as The Wiz for the tour. He's then going to understudy Wayne Brady, who will be playing The Wiz. Just a preface, I am a teeny bit salty. We did not get to see Wayne Brady. I love Wayne Brady since the Who's line is it anyway days. Oh, yes. So Alan Mingo Jr. was great, but I really would have loved to see Wayne Brady. It's a natural human reaction to be a little disappointed to not seeing Wayne Brady. Yeah. Everybody loves Wayne Brady. I think that that's very true. Deborah Cox plays Glinda in this new production. Melody Betts plays Aunt M slash Eveline. Kyle Ramar Freeman is the lion. Philip Johnson Richardson is the tin man. And Avery Wilson is the scarecrow. Off the bat, I gotta say, phenomenal cast. Yeah. There was not one person where I'm like, oh, they were, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they weren't bringing their A game. Really good cast. I would not be surprised, and this is probably a hot take, I would not be surprised if multiple people from this cast were nominated for Tonys. Yeah, I also think this will Especially absolutely... Nichelle Lewis. Yeah. If, if Nichelle Lewis is not nominated for a Tony, I would be absolutely shocked. See, I think the front one- runner um, is going to be Melody Betts. I think Melody Betts will as well, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I also think this will probably end up getting nominated for the Best Revival of a Musical Tony. I I think Best Costumes, for Mm -hmm. sure. The costumes in this show, guys. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but. (laughs) Yeah, so the production we saw, we went on October 10th, 2023, at the Connor Palace Theater in Cleveland. And we went a couple days after a cancellation of one of the performances. Mm -hmm. From what we've seen online, like, you're never going to find out the real reason. It said there was a medical emergency within the cast. They said it was the scarecrow Avery Wilson. Something happened. He was unable to perform the show. For the matinee. For the matinee, yes. The understudy had never gone on before because this is a pre-Broadway tryout. This is only their second city. They've only been running the show full out for, like, two weeks. The understudy hasn't had their put-in rehearsal yet. A put-in rehearsal is when the understudies or the swings will go on and play that role with the cast in kind of a walkthrough of the show. Mm -hmm. The put-ins hadn't happened yet, and so apparently for the evening performance that night, Avery Wilson's understudy went on script in hand, playing the Scarecrow. Apparently they did a phenomenal job, too. I wish I knew who it was. It didn't say, obviously. Mm -hmm. We're we're going off of Facebook comments here, so it just said the understudy, so. Yeah, but that would be really interesting to see, uh, understudy on a stage with their script still. Like, that's how you know this is a brand new production where the swings and understudies haven't even given been given the opportunity to learn their lines yet. Or even go on for the roles they're understudying yeah. for. Every every show that we've seen, like, for example, Six the Musical, we had, what, two two, un- two understudies mm-hmm. on. 
had gone on in their roles multiple times before, very mm-hmm. comfortable in it. I couldn't imagine how scared that person must have yeah, been. Yeah, that's got to be super going on, uh, You know, two, three hours beforehand, like, you're going on there. I don't know my lines. Well, take the script out. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. We also experienced for the first time in our history seeing something, a show stop. Yes, so a show stop is when something happens during the show and what they call the voice of God, a.k.a. the stage manager, will come on a loudspeaker over the intercom so all the speakers in the theater play so during the show it was right when dorothy was about to meet the scarecrow scarecrow comes out on his little his little scarecrow pole and there's like this it was a barn or something right next to the scarecrow and everything was sitting there dorothy kind of looks behind her for a second because she's like what's going on turns back and like you know has her head down to get the beat to start the scene then all of a sudden you just hear actors please clear the stage and so you kind of see nichelle lewis kind of like sigh and then you see the scarecrow, uh, Avery Wilson, peek up, look around. Someone in the wings nodded to Avery to be like, yeah, get off the stage. So he comes down off the scarecrow pole. Which was kind of funny because it's supposed to be like the moment of she's walking through and doesn't notice the scarecrow get there because he's so still. And he just like hops right off and is like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, and they, they left the stage. They put the scythe back down. And yeah. It was about a five minute stop. And again, you're never going to get told what happens. We think it was something malfunctioned with the set because when the cur- curtain came back up, there were set pieces on stage and other actors on top of that set piece that were not there before. Mm-mm. So we're guessing and the barn was w- way farther back from where it was right next to Avery when the scene was supposed to start. It was a little farther back when the curtain came back up. So I think something with the barn and the hay bales malfunctioned. Yeah. And so for the actor's safety, because clearly something that is giant and could hurt someone was malfunctioning, they got everyone off the stage. But again, We'll never know if that was actually the case or not because they don't come back and be like, hey, guys, our set malfunctioned and we're going to have the show back now. They're just like, get off the stage. And then they raise the curtain up and they're like, pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. They handled it very well, though, when um they came back on stage and Michelle kind of like waved and like kind of did like a little motion like, here we go again. And then they jumped right back into it. Didn't miss a beat. That That's a part of, you know, building a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. So it happens a lot in previews on Broadway even. Yeah, so we got to see a little bit of the growing pains. They handled it great. Yeah. So. Yeah, and again, because we do this kind of thing where we see a lot of shows and talked about it, like, I was excited to see a show stop because I've never seen one before. I was like, oh my Same. god, a show stop. And it, it was very clear that everybody was okay, too. Yeah. So. It wasn't like a medical emergency or someone was hurt in any way. It was just, oh, the set didn't want to work, from what we gathered at least. Most of you, I'm sure, know the story of The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy gets swept mm-hmm. up in a tornado. One thing I really did like is Melody Betts, she plays two roles in the show. She's very sweet, loving, voice of reason, Aunt M in the beginning, and then she becomes the Wicked Witch of the West, Eveline. Which is an awesome change, in my opinion, because they're like, oh, Aunt M, and then she comes out and she's like, no, I'm evil. Yeah, well, that's the <laughs> thing. Her makeup transformation is so drastic. I did not realize Mm-mm. it was the same person until intermission when I looked at the playbill same. and saw that she was billed as both characters. Because her voice, she does a huge voice transformation. She does not sound the same at all no, as Aunt, Aunt M. Aunt M sounds very sweet and maternal. And Eveline is, I guess the best comparison that you could do would be similar to like Ursula and the Little mm-hmm. Mermaid. Very sultry. Very sultry and loud and bombastic and Yeah, and I mean it makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense to do the Aunt M Eveline track as one. I know that in other productions in the past, including the original Broadway one, Glinda and Aunt M were the same track. Mm-hmm. And I mean either way, Aunt M and Glinda are both comparably much smaller parts. Mm-hmm. 
Evelina is a much bigger part, but it's not in the whole show. So yes. it makes sense to put either of those tracks as one. My husband and I saw a production of The Wizard of Oz at Playhouse Square in 2015, mm-hmm. and it was Glinda and Aunt M were the same actor. Yeah. yeah, so you basically could pick and choose. It made a lot of sense. When Dorothy is swept up in the in the twister, Aunt M has just talked her off the ledge, basically, because Dorothy's lost her mother, she's lost her father, she's living with her single aunt, Aunt M, and she is at a new school where she isn't fitting in and aunt m kind of is like hey you're in high school you're only going to be here for a few years like focus on you and being the amazing person you are and no matter what i'm always going to be here Mm -hmm. for you you're always going to have a friend in me yeah and so it's a very sweet moment and then immediately it's like oh no there's a twister and they get separated and you're like oh i thought the tornado was really cool because there there is a screen obviously doing Mm -hmm. background a lot of broadway shows are doing that now it saves money and it can basically build worlds when you do it on a screen. Honestly, I think for this show, some of the stuff on the screen, like, you're never going to have perfect sets Mm-mm. on the screen, but some of them were, like, really good. It was some of the best, I guess, I don't know, we call it a slide or what, but yeah. yeah. Screen the, work. The screen work was some of the best that I've seen. Yeah. Like you said, some of it looked extremely real. Like, the farm in Kansas looked mm-hmm. very real. Yeah. So instead of having a tornado projected on the screen and coming at us, which kind of could be cheesy, mm-hmm. they had dancers come out in these very flowy gray jumpsuits almost. Mm-hmm. They were dancing around like they were in the wind, and one of them picked Dorothy up, and that's how she got swept away. Mm-hmm. It was a very cool dance number, and mm-hmm. I thought it was a very good way to do it because, like I said, the projection can kind of be cheesy and make the background look fake, and I liked the direction they chose for that. Yeah, they did make several choices like that. The Yellow Brick Road is not a projection. It's dancers, once again, that are dressed in a certain way. We'll talk about that here in a second. When Dorothy drops the house on the Wicked Witch of the East – it is not Glinda, who is the Good Witch of the North. It's Ada Pearl, who's the Good Witch of the North. And Ada Pearl was so funny. Oh, my goodness. She had this sass, and every hit was just like, bam, 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 bam. And she absolutely had the entire crowd in the palm of her hand because she would just be thing- say things like, oh, guess that was my sister who sucked. And it was played by Allison K. Daniel. She played Ada Pearl. Her comic timing was so good because Ada Pearl's little one-liners, she's not a huge part in the show. You mm-hmm. only see her twice in the whole show. But like she's like, I'm going to say a few words and give my sister a eulogy. And it was basically her just ripping into her sister, the like, Wicked Witch I'm of the East. I'm glad she's dead. Yeah, and she's just like. <laughs> she was a bitch. Yeah, and when Dorothy's like, I dropped the house on her. And she's like, oh, girl, good for you. And then she's like, I still have one other evil sister. Do you have any more houses? <laughs> the best way that you can describe Ada Pearl will be like the fun wine and. Yeah. That's like the general vibe of Atta Pearl. And we do get to meet the Good Witch of the South, Glinda, and her costume. Oh my goodness. Okay. Deborah Cox looks like she was dipped in gold, basically. Yeah. It's basically just like a gold disco ball and then ruffles on the back in a very pale, sparkly yellow. So when you think of our Wicked episode a couple years back, we talked about, like, the German production and the skirt, like, the Glinda dress was, like, the pink skirt with, like, the ruffles. If you looked up any pictures, the ruffles and the skirt reminded me of that. Yeah. And background knowledge just for our life, me and my mom and my sister all really like glittery, sparkly ball gowns. Mm -hmm. And so now we all joke that we all have our own Glinda dresses because I have pink, my mom has blue, and now Jenny has her golden yellow one. Yes. Yeah. Glinda's costume, hands down, my favorite in this whole show. It was beautiful. And, like, 
Glinda in this show is not as big of a part. So, like, Deborah Cox gets to come on at the very beginning for one number. In Everyone her, adores her. In her beautiful golden disco ball dress. And then at the end, when we see her again, the second to last number of the show, they put on a jacket that is all just sequins. And it's, like, again, it's like disco ball. jacket almost. Yeah. But and it's all sequins. Yeah. And again... So she gets, she's only in the show for two numbers and she literally looks like a glowing disco ball of fabulousness. And I'm like, oh, what a dream Has the part. the costume in the show. Everyone adores her. We're all like, oh, yay, Glinda. Because you immediately are like, oh, Glinda, recognition. Like, oh, we like her. It is good to be Deborah Cox. Yeah. Yeah. And she sang both of her songs great. Yeah. They were both short, sweet to the point. But like, what a, what a nice role in that show. I know. Her. 10 out of 10. Yeah. So after we meet Ada Pearl and Glinda and they send Dorothy off on her way, we get to see the Yellow Brick Road, which is... They called them the guides, basically. They said, if you see the guides, you're going the right way on the Yellow Brick Road. And the gatekeeper from the movie The Wizard of Oz with the big furry hat, they're kind of dressed like that, but in black and yellow instead because they're representing the Yellow Brick Road. Mm -hmm. In turn, we meet each of our three sidekicks of Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion. Each of them have their own songs, their own parts. I think out of the three of them, I think the lion is the most striking visually. I do too. He's got a very rich looking costume. His mane is fabulous. Yes. But I do think Avery Wilson as a scarecrow, he is so tall that no matter where he is on the stage, he stands out. And he has such good control of his body because at times the scarecrow is just as cowardly as the lion mm-hmm. in this show. And he's got like straw taped to him in different places. And you could see up in the balcony where we sit the times where Avery was scared how much he was shaking and you could see the straw shaking like he's got very good control of his body I think overall he had the best rhythm of the three sidekicks in this show again they all have background stories the scarecrow was a scientist who questioned Eveline so she took his brain the tin man said she sucked at karaoke at karaoke night out with the boys that was the funniest background story so she took his heart and turned him into a rusty old tin man And then the lion, he was away from his pride doing something and saw Eveline coming to go put them in her zoo. And instead of standing up and saving his family, he was a coward, which is why he doesn't have any courage. Yeah, really, all three of them. So Kyle Ramar Freeman was a lion. Philip Johnson Richardson was the Tin Man. Avery Wilson was the Scarecrow. All three of them were amazing. Yeah. I did have some problems during the Tin Man's song where he was being introduced understanding him sometimes, Mm -hmm. but he had very big dance numbers in the show because he was going from being stiff and needing oil. So I think part of that was that he was committed so much to the Mm -hmm. jaw part that he wasn't enunciating enough, and I'm sure that's something that'll get fixed before it hits Broadway. But that was really my only complaint about their three songs, was that the Tin Man was hard to understand at times. I really thought that uh, Philip and Nichelle had a very good chemistry, too. Because, like, in the original Wizard of Oz movie, even, Dorothy even says to the scarecrow, like, you're my favorite. In this one, I was like, I thought she loved all three equally, but I was actually surprised because like, he doesn't have a heart. How good of a connection the Tin Man and, and Dorothy, Dorothy had. Made. That's a really good point. At, at the end, when, you know, Dorothy gets gets to go home, she's saying goodbye. Like, the, the lion goes off to find his pride because they, they saw lions out in the zoo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's holding the hands of the Tin Man and the Scarecrow, and they all let go at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, like, a you're my favorite moment, which I, yeah. I thought was really interesting, and I really liked that. Yeah, because in the book, I believe, too, she tells the Scarecrow she'll miss him most. So yeah. That, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. So as they're making their journey to the Emerald City to find the Wiz to grant their wishes, we get introduced to Eveline, who wants the Silver Slippers. Anyone who knows the Wizard of Oz movie – in the book, L. Frank Baum's book, they are diamond slippers. 
they were turned into ruby slippers for the movie because the red was more striking in the technicolor pictures Mm -hmm. it sparkled better it looked cooler with dorothy's blue and white dress it just popped more on screen so they made them ruby slippers in this production of the Wiz, they have changed them back to diamond shoes but they're more like little booties in this production the the silver slippers is what they call them yeah and so eveline wants her sister's silver slippers because they can control the weather and as we all know the wicked witch will melt if she gets wet yeah so she definitely does not want in the west for it to rain she's already noticing that there are clouds forming that she's going to lose her grip on her little minions that she has under a spell in her industrial factory I'm so, guessing it is. Here was my completely hot take, and I'm going to make a fan, a fan base of Hades Town the Musical super mad at me for saying this, probably. When you get a look in the second act at Eveline's lair or palace, when the Wiz sends our fearless heroes to kill Eveline in the second act, they go to Eveline's palace, opens up, it looks like a factory. I lean over to Julie, and I was like, this is Hades Town if Hades Town would have slayed. <laughs> Yeah, it looked it's a lot. It's what I wanted Hades Town to look like, kind of. Yeah, it looked a lot more industrial. It looked a lot more miserable than the underworld of Hades Town. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, so Eveline is trying to get the slippers. So she sends out different things. The first thing she sends out is the poppies. We all know in the movie, like poppies. Poppies. These are actually represented by ensemble members in the show who all have very similar poppy esque outfits mm-hmm. on, and they're in the poppy field, and they're just trying to be like, here, stay here, be lazy. I will say this is the part of the show you can tell they have run the fewest times because there was a lot of awkward pauses in mm-hmm. this scene. It's one where I'm like, okay, they either need to cut this scene in half because it was really awkward at times because, like, they're just waiting for the next person to talk. I get it. It was, like, supposed to be a laid-back, so chill kind We're of environment. Slow, yeah, but, but there was so much pause in between the slow said lines that it was just like, do they not know this part as well? Do they not know their lines? Are they so good at acting like they're falling asleep that they're falling asleep? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was the only part I was like, meh. They got out of that pretty quick, which I was happy about because that part of the show was probably the most awkward. Yeah. So after that, then Eveline, she releases her Kalitas and they're basically just like monsters. They're not, there's no flying monkeys in this show, but they're basically like the flying monkey henchmen kind of guys. They get defeated pretty easily. That was another cool use of the dancers. They didn't use like a projection of like monsters or anything. They had dancers in outfits again fighting them. And I will say you do you have to give major major props to the ensemble. Mm-hmm. In every scene they're playing something different. They were crows in one scene. They were the Kadilas. They were the poppies. They're the citizens of Oz. And they go from bit to bit like lightning. Yeah, it was amazing. They are awesome. Yeah, the major props to the ensemble was really really strong. Yeah. So after that, we finally get towards the Emerald City. This is more of a song billing kind of thing. I felt like there was so much momentum tracking and tracking and tracking and tracking through the first act that the closing act number, "Be a Lion." I thought kind of fell flat until the end when they started harmonizing with one another. Yeah. Because there was so much momentum. They got through the poppies. They got through the Kalitas. They got through all of this stuff. And then there's just like this really slow ballad about the lion trying to find his courage. When the lion had just had his number about not having courage like three numbers before that. So it felt really repetitive. But the end of the number did have some of the most beautiful four-part harmonies at the end of that song. Yeah. But I really wish it would have ended on a, like a higher note to put you into intermission because it kind of was just like up, 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 up 
straight down intermission. Yeah. Which made the intermission feel really long to me. It was a 20 minute intermission just like in most mm-hmm. other shows. But it felt a lot longer because we went from that high all the way to a relaxed place and then they had intermission. Yeah. I agree. I felt like that number either should have been the opening of Act 2 or not in the show at all. Yeah. We open Act 2, we get to the Emerald City, and the two guards for the Emerald City were so funny. Before that, though, there was a big dance number. Oh, yeah, the Emerald City Ballet. Yeah, like like the No Sleep Club is where they were at. And so basically, it was like a five-minute dance number Mm -hmm. of different things of like, hey, if you're the best dancer, you get to meet the Wiz tonight. And so it was everybody going all out mm-hmm. in these really, really cool disco-inspired costumes. Mm-hmm. But the, it was like a modern disco. Because yeah. there were some I was like, I would wear that. Yeah. And that's one thing I really do want to celebrate about the Wizzes, about the Wizzes ensemble is they had dancers of all shapes and sizes mm-hmm. up there. So, I mean, there was some bigger guys and girls who were keeping up just as well. There were some people who could tell are absolutely professional dancers who were killing it. Yeah. But they had a very diverse ensemble of african-american dancers and singers and i really did enjoy seeing that because as someone who you know isn't a stick i enjoy seeing people who i'm like oh they look like me like they're the same size as me and i think that's something that is absolutely needed in theater and i'm happy that the wiz is taking the opportunity to celebrate african-american dancers and singers of all sizes being a bigger girl myself i love seeing a bigger girl up there just absolutely freaking killing it yeah like several of them i was like get it because <laughs> i'm yeah i'm not stick thin and that that's the i guess you know the stereotypical broadway body mm-hmm. is stick thin you know very fit bigger girls can dance too and mm-hmm. I, I i agree i absolutely love that big props to whoever cast the whiz yeah i loved that as well and they all really every single dancer out there did so good during the emerald city ballet that was the whiz saying we can win a choreography tony too yeah absolutely yeah, and so it goes to the gates of Emerald City, and it is not until Dorothy reveals that she's got these magic slippers and she's the one who dropped the house on the Wicked Witch of the East that they let her in because they're scared of her. She's mm-hmm. like, no, no, don't hurt us, don't hurt us, go ahead and yep. go ahead in. And they finally do get to meet the Wiz, and it is very comparable to in the book, the Wizard of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and in the movie, basically. The Wiz is not in the Wiz that much. No, Alan Mingo Jr. shows up like. A quarter of the way through act two sings one song goes away again for the rest of the act until the very end where he comes out sings one more song and is like bye yeah as we've mentioned in previous episodes what they called the princess track it's neck and neck between glinda and the wiz i think the wiz just ekes it out actually no i would say Glin- glinda's on stage even less but glinda's like you're like yes glinda but it's neck and neck between those two for who has the princess track in this show yeah i will say as a huge fan of the 1939 wizard of oz film I really do love, you know, the big talking head and don't mind the man behind the curtain. In this, the Wiz is like, I am a celebrity. Bow down to me. His song fell kind of flat for me. I could agree with that. Alan Mingo Jr. performed it phenomenally. Yes. He really did. He just looked cool. With the material that he was given, he did a great job. Yeah. I just feel like the Wiz's song, like, because Alan Mingo really did play cool so well. I just feel like the song could have just been cooler if... That seems no. weird. If you don't know the song, it's called Meet the Wizard. Listen to it. Like, it's very jazzy. It's a slower song. I feel like maybe something a little more up-tempo mm-hmm. for his introduction song. Because his final song, too, it's not a super fast song. It's another kind of, like, mid-tempo number. You know what I mean? I just feel like he could have had – I feel like if you, the whole show has been building up to Meet the Wiz, 
the Wizard song needs to smash it out of the park. It needs and to be the biggest song in the show. Alan Mingo played the song phenomenally. It just wasn't the best song. Yeah. No, I can agree with that. Yeah. You can tell, too, that some of the costumes were designed with Wayne Brady in mind because his first outfit, the Wizard's outfit, just looks like something Wayne Brady would wear on a red carpet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, Wayne Brady's going to be in this someday. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, Alan Mingo really did play the coolness of the Wiz so well. And, you know, the Wiz okay like i'll help you guys like i'll get you all the stuff you need he is you can tell a lot in this show like the wiz is a con man and he knows how to smooth talk people because the scarecrow comes up oh i need a brain the scarecrow though at this part of the show was so funny because the scarecrow very much he's like i don't have a brain i'm really dumb he kind of just imitates other people on stage at times because like when they meet the tin man she's like oh hi i'm dorothy and he goes hi i'm dorothy and she's like no you're the scarecrow <laughs> and they the whiz has these two like background singers but, yeah like they'll repeat what he says like in like in an old disco movie yeah he'll be like dynamite and they'll be like dynamite, dynamite. and so they're on stage while he's talking to all of them and when it's the scarecrow's turn to talk to the whiz he's over with them like imitating their moves doing their little shit little with them. and he's like scarecrow and they all go scarecrow and he does it with them like he's one of them and they, the girls just stop and like look at him like, and then he just looks back at him with the same face like what are you doing like we're in this together it was so funny so he smooth talks all of them like oh i think it, it takes a really smart person to admit that there's things they could learn or oh my gosh you feel that you need a heart you just said feel you got more heart than you know or it's so brave to admit that you're cowardly i think you're the bravest person in the room like, he's already sweet-talking them, so when yeah. he pulls the rug out from under them, they're not disappointed. Because he's like, I told you you were brave. I told you you were smart. Yeah. And Dorothy's really the one that he can't figure out, so he kind of blows off her, I want to go home thing. He's like, yeah, we'll get there. But you have to go kill Eveline first. And Dorothy is very much like, I committed one homicide today. I'm not super enthused to do the other one. And her three friends are like, yay, let's murder someone. <laughs> the Tin Man immediately agrees to it because in, in The Wiz, the Tin Man actually has a family out yeah. there somewhere and he's forgetting them. Because he, he doesn't have a heart. Yeah, so he does, He can't feel their love anymore. So the Tin Man is so desperate to get back to his family that he immediately goes, yeah, we'll kill her. Let's go. Yeah. And it's just really funny because like, she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Murder's a pretty serious thing. And her friends are like, like, no, it's not, Dorothy. Come along. Murder. <laughs> yeah, and so that's one thing that is funny is that she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's have some morals and, and you know, all that kind of stuff here. And they're like, nah. And how the Wiz convinces Dorothy to go kill Eveline is the Wiz tells Dorothy, listen, we're all stuck here in Oz. I made a deal with Eveline the day that I landed here because I'm, I'm a powerful sorcerer. I told Eveline I would leave her alone if she would leave the Emerald City and the Ozians alone. We're here and we're basically in prison, Dorothy. We can't leave. That's why That's why it was so hard for you guys to get in here. You had to convince my guards to let you in because we're all so scared of Eveline. We can't leave. And so she's like, okay, like I've got to, it's the greater good kind of thing. Yeah. She's like, I can help all of these people. Fine, let's go murder. And her friends are like, yay. And they, they, they go back off to Eveline's lair, which we talked about earlier. Hades Town, but Slay. Yeah, a really striking visual, except Eveline's lair. All the industrial things on the screen in the background and her layer is on this giant set piece that can rotate and it's got stairs on each side. They absolutely need to widen the stairs. Eveline got stuck three times. Yeah. And it's not saying that she's big or anything. Her costume is big. But I mean, even the other actors who were trying to go up Dorothy and down the stairs. Dorothy struggled getting up the stairs as well. Yeah. Like Dorothy had to move to the side and Michelle Lewis looks like she is a teenager. She's tiny. If she's having trouble maneuvering up and down those stairs, 
props to everyone else who had to go up and down them because they like you yeah. can see they are narrow at the beginning of the scene eveline has several minions who are like her personal assistants <laughs> and it was a very funny scene where she, she sings she a, a whole song, song called don't nobody bring me no bad news so <laughs> She wants to hear nothing, nothing bad. bad. She does not want to hear that it's about to rain. She does not want to hear that her minions have not gotten Dorothy and her her crew yet. She wants only good news. And so then well, she asks for a status report. And her first personal assistant has to give her bad news of there's leaks in the ceiling. Immediately he is sent to the incinerator. And so the next girl is like sobbing like, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. And she's like shaking. And, and she's so, like, congrats on your promotion. promotion. Give me the news. And so she also has to give her bad news. During this part, though, that was another thing. It was two actors trying to maneuver around her to get down the stairs to go to the incinerator, and they kind of struggled getting past one another mm-hmm. because the stairs were so narrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one big set thing that I'm like, okay, they need to fix that before Broadway because if we notice it here, like, critics are absolutely going to yes. notice that when they get to Broadway. I mean, that whole set is very striking because it's a huge, imposing set piece that they're on. Like, Eveline puts herself up on a pedestal on this Mm -hmm. and that's also where she locks Dorothy when they are caught and that is where Dorothy melts Eveline and (laughs) Melody Betts this sounds really weird to say she died so funnily she did she was so she funny. was hilarious when she, she was, was like throwing riffs out like i'm melting you know like obviously she sounded a lot better than that yes. but like she was throwing riffs out while she's melting and she's, she's yelling all this nonsense saying jokes like yeah she her was, comedic timing is absolutely amazing and i absolutely agree with you i also think she should be nominated for a tony for this i think if i would call one now i would say she is most likely or like you said nichelle because she did play dorothy very well mm-hmm. those would probably be the two front runners for a tony at this point oh melody Betts, she's gonna make my list already of shout outs at the oh same. she was so funny as evil she was my favorite character in the show mm-hmm. after that they go back to the emerald city mm-hmm. and the emerald city is closed for packing up and moving everyone's leaving yeah the Wiz knows he no longer has to fear eveline because they don't say it as clearly in this show if he is not actually a wizard i don't think he is i don't think he is they either. imply that he's just a con man yeah they imply that he's just a con man but like in every other multimedia of the wizard of oz like they flat out say like oh no he's just a regular old dude and this one he's like i'm gonna go explore oz because i'm the Wiz." like he doesn't i i've, come on, off of I've the only Wiz been thing. here so bye y'all yeah so it's implied that it is the same thing but it's not as outwardly stated in this show i guess that he's not actually a wizard yeah so as julie stated earlier he kind of explains to the our three our three sidekicks that hey i told you you have all the things that you possess and to point out as well because I, I forgot to say this after eveline melted all of her minions under the spell at the factory snap out of it and that's when you get the signature song brand new day because mm-hmm. everyone's free they're free to go they're gonna go back to their old lives they go from these like really drab beige outfits to these really colorful ones it was a great number mm-hmm. at the end of the number though the scarecrow starts talking about a hypothesis and that's how you know they're getting their their spells fading too because mm-hmm. he's becoming smart again yeah and so the whiz kind of points that out to the guys like hey you know all the people at her factory went home you're talking smart again it's probably gonna happen for you the next couple of days and then he implied again like hey i told you you were you were smart enough to come here you you had a heart and you could admit that you can't love and you were brave enough to admit all this so yeah you have what you need and then dorothy's like well what about me and he's like can't help can't me help bye, it. bye. <laughs> whiz out and that's when we <coughs> run into our good friend Ada pearl again who points out to the lion like hey your lion family is literally wandering around outside 
go. They just escape from the zoo, go find them. And he's like, goodbye. And that scarecrow and the tin man do realize that the spells have been broken for them the, the tin man remembers where his family lives yeah he remembers his address so he knows where to go to feel their love again and the scarecrow starts talking all sorts of smart nonsense yeah <laughs> so he is smart again and we see Ada pearl take her friends off to say that it's time for dorothy to go back home because she does have a way it's inside of her it's been with her this whole time glinda comes out with her big song to instruct her that she's got to click her heels and believe that she can go home or she believe won't. in herself if she yeah. can't believe in herself nothing's gonna happen only you can change your life mm-hmm. and again she comes out in that disco ball jacket with her disco ball dress and is just shimmering everywhere yes. she's got a beautiful head you can see like, the sequins like the light reflecting off of it up in the balcony onto the walls and, and on the that's ceiling. how sparkly yeah. her dress was yeah beautiful beautiful costume but yeah that's basically she clicked her heels three times she goes back home to aunt M. They don't show that, though. They don't show her Probably because she's still, probably because Melody Betts is still in her Eveline costume for Curtain Call. But yeah, they don't, they actually don't show the reunion between Anna and Dorothy. Yeah, you just see her, like, back in Kansas. And And she turns around and then the curtain comes down. Yeah. But overall, I really did enjoy this production. Again, I'm a huge Wizard of Oz Mm -hmm. fan. I read the book. I watched the movie. I knew I was going to like it. I was very pleasantly surprised about how much it it shocked me how for a new production because i knew going into it i was like there, there's gonna be some growing pains mm-hmm. and there were i would absolutely buy a ticket to go see this on broadway again yeah absolutely i think there's some yeah definitely some growing pains there's some costume changes like the brand new day costumes they were very vibrant colors but i feel like they needed some sparkle or some kind yeah. of jazz with them they kind of were just like here's a neon t-shirt and some bright pants get yeah. on out there i feel like there's some costume updates that could happen before the show again there's some scene work that needs to be done but again this is really cool we got to see a pre-broadway tryout to see what changes by the time it gets to broadway because i'm very excited to see what they do once it hits the broadway stage yeah when a show goes to broadway we always talk about how they go into previews up until opening night of the show things on broadway shows can change like they might cut numbers they might put new numbers in they might cut a character completely from the show there's no guarantees of anything that we saw will make it to broadway and that's what's kind of cool about this pre-broadway it's fun to think that there could be something right now that we did not see that they changed already yeah and a whole new cleveland audience is seeing something different from us it's really cool to think about oh i bet yeah that's that's something that is really really cool to think about I think that kind of wraps up our recap and review of the pre-Broadway tour of The Wiz. Our next show is in Akron. It is Pretty Woman. Again, we will not be doing a whole episode because last season we did one already. Yes. The next show that we will be doing for you guys will be in November. We are seeing the second national tour of Mean Girls in Akron. Mm -hmm. Not our first time seeing it, but our first time reviewing it for the show, and I'm very excited. Mean Girls was one that we both went through a huge Mean Girls the musical phase. Yes. So I'm very excited to see this one to see and what they've changed from the first tour. And we saw the Eras Tour movie on Friday the 13th. Slay. Yes. There was a, a teaser trailer for Mean Girls the musical the movie starring Renee Rapp coming out. It, it'll, it's very exciting that we get to review it before the movie comes out. Yeah. I think that'll be a really fun episode. So yeah, I think that wraps up our season premiere of season three. So yeah, you can follow us on TikTok at Twins on Tour One, on Twitter because I'm not saying X because that's stupid. At Twins on Tour One, tell us how you really feel. On Instagram, the Twins on Tour One, and on Facebook, the P- Twins on Tour Podcast. All right, I'm Julie Book. I'm Jenny Bradley, and this is the, the Twins, Twins on Tour, Tour Podcast. Podcast.